Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day as we kick off the month of October. Plenty to talk about. I want to mention that World Dairy Expo getting underway in Madison, Wisconsin. Big week there. We'll have reports on tomorrow's show from World Dairy Expo. Coming up today, we're going to talk about the uh, very interesting USDA report yesterday. Actually, a bullish report from USDA. Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance will join us a little bit later on to talk about that, go over the numbers, what stood out to him. Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, will join us. Biofuels industry still waiting for an announcement from the White House uh, on biofuels policy and where we go from here. And what impact is all the impeachment proceedings having on the biofuels industry? We'll talk about that with Jeff Cooper. And uh, coming up a little later in the program as well, we'll start uh, looking ahead to winter. Like many of you, I'm not ready to do that, but we need to. And we'll start uh, kind of passing on some tips, taking care of your equipment, what to do with uh, diesel fuel to have best performance. So we'll have some uh, information on that a little bit later on the program as well. But let's start things off by talking with Todd Neely, reporter for DTN. Hi, Todd. How are you? Good, Mike. How are you? Very good. It's, I mean, I know the biofuels industry is just so frustrated that we still do not have an announcement from the White House, and I'm not hearing about uh, anything coming up anytime soon. Are you? No, not at all. You know, Mike, I think... Uh... I think when the, the oil industry representatives met with, with Trump um past couple of weeks, I think that's where this thing absolutely stalled. And, you know, we've always had this uh, this issue involving the price of RINs, which are those biofuels credits in the RFS. Um, oil refiners have always been concerned about the cost of uh, complying with the RFS, and that's kind of been at the center of this entire uh, deal uh, you know, the oil side of it claims the cost of RINs are prohibitive. Uh, the ethanol side says it isn't. And, you know, there's a lot of talk back and forth on that particular issue. And it seems that, uh, you know, coming out of the meeting with, uh, with uh, lawmakers from oil-producing states at the White House, that that was one thing that they had brought up uh, with the president, that they wanted to cap the price of RINs. Uh, I think that from what we're hearing, uh, Trump seemed to agree with that notion. But they're clearly at a sticking point on that as to how that can be done, because, uh, as you know, both sides on this issue are, are constituents of of the president and important voting uh, blocks. Um, and so we remain in that kind of a stalemate at this point. And you're right, as the impeachment stuff goes on, uh, it really seems that a lot of these issues that were uh, really moving toward resolution have kind of hit a brick wall at the moment. Yeah, we keep hearing... Uh members of Congress say, yes, they can uh, walk and chew gum at the same time, but uh, we kind of need to see it, <laughs> not just hear them talk yeah. about it. So we'll see if these other issues get addressed. Meanwhile, the biodiesel industry is anxious to see uh, what the decision is going to be from this administration on countervailing duties on biodiesel uh, from Argentina. What what can you tell us on that? Well, at this point, uh, yesterday, uh, the National Biodiesel Board uh, had sent out a letter to the Department of Commerce where this issue is being dealt with. Um, they're still asking, the industry is still asking for a meeting with, with the DOC uh, to talk about their side of this. You know, the Commerce uh, had finalized these countervailing duties against Argentinian uh, biodiesel imports uh, back in January of 18. Um, you know, they did a long investigation on it and ruled that Argentina uh, had been, un, you know, applying unfair trade practices, essentially. Uh, and then back in uh, November, of, no, excuse me, back in July of 2019, uh, the DOC had looked at the, at the issue again because the Argentinian government had come back to them and said, well, we changed our tax structure and there's really no, uh, you know, we've kind of dealt with the issues and we, we feel like we need to eliminate these countervailing duties. And so it seemed that Commerce had, uh, had agreed with the Argentinians on this. Uh, they'd issued a preliminary decision, uh, but in the meantime, the U.S. biodiesel industry has wanted to have a meeting with the Department of Commerce, and that hasn't happened yet. And so uh, here we go. We're still trying to figure out if uh, the Department of Commerce is going to give them that meeting and if they're really going to move forward on uh, changing changing course on this issue. 
Also, there's an interesting study out that, you know, we've seen all these studies keep coming out saying red meat's bad for you and all this. Uh, now there's a study just to the uh, contrary to that, actually saying that uh, uh, eating less meat not necessarily going to improve your health and, uh, and eating red meat not as bad as some of these reports and studies have been telling us over the years. Yeah, you know, Mike, it's interesting because we see, uh, you know, on so many subjects that we follow in agriculture, we see study after study on both sides of an issue. And after a while, it gets to a point where you're kind of pulling your hair out because you don't really know what to believe and what, what is true and what isn't true. Uh, on this red meat issue, though, it comes at a time where, as you know, uh, you know, the, the Impossible Burger and all these things are really making waves into the, into the U.S. market, the protein markets. And so... Um, I suspect, you know, not knowing any inside information, I suspect that, uh, you know, this is one of those studies that's kind of uh, trying to tout, tout the, uh, the benefits of red meat. You know, um, obviously both sides have their opinions on this, but I think that we'll probably end up seeing a lot of this going, going back and forth as, uh, you know, the battle for these protein markets continue on. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Will that report get as much attention and publicity as the reports that have come out critical of red meat consumption it's, it'll be interesting to see the coverage of it yeah absolutely you know it's it depends on who's doing the reporting i think uh, you know if, if you take an objective look at both sides of it i you know i think you can always find a middle ground on on any issue i suspect that that's what will happen with red meat um you know i'm not a scientist but i do think that you know, red meat has some of its, you know, nutritional benefits, obviously. You mentioned the plant-based, the cell-based products. That is going to be an interesting battle moving forward. I know the uh, National Cattlemen's Beef Association plans to speak out more on this. Uh, this, I, th- you know, with the money and the publicity behind uh, these new products, uh, I th- it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Uh, you know, when you look at the cattle industry, there's been so many ups and downs, and it's really, um, I, I think that, you know, I think that that industry is poised to, to make its case for why its product is so good. Um, you know, I, I think they're ready to go on that. But, uh, you know, definitely it comes at a time where, you know, markets are, are always tight. You know, we're always looking for new trade agreements and all these things uh, that we deal with in, in, in ag. Um, and it really is kind of unfortunate that, you know, um, you know, when when you got a market, a good market like we have here in the United States for for protein, and and uh, it's really unfortunate that the the beef seems to be having to remake its case all the time. But we'll see where that goes. Yeah, there'll be two areas to watch on that, both uh, from a nutritional standpoint as well as an environmental standpoint. So yeah, we'll be talking a lot about that uh, in the future. Always good to talk with you, Todd. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you too, Mike. Thank you. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely. Up next, Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgroFinance, joins us. Take a look at yesterday's very bullish, surprisingly bullish. We haven't had a real bullish report like this for a while from USDA. What did they say about stocks and uh, where do we go from here? We'll talk about it next on AOA. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credenced soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credenced soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Ask your local BASF seed advisor about credenced soybeans. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. 
recently on Adams on Agriculture. We're talking with the new CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Whittall. And one more thing before we let you go. Your reaction to all the attention, all the publicity, all the money going into these plant and cell-based products. We're going to continue to fight them, and we're going to be louder in our fighting because they continue to market themselves by disparaging us. And I tell you, if the only marketing the plan that you have for your product is to disparage your competition, then you probably don't really have a good product. And I think everybody in the livestock industry would uh, would agree with that anyway. So we have got to fight back on them, uh, stop them from disparaging us, and more importantly, work with USDA and FDA to do everything we can to prevent them from using the term beef. So you're going to see more and more from NCBA over the next several weeks as we roll out more plans there to combat what has been an unnecessary attack on us and one that we're just not going to stand for anymore, Mike. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Peak performance at harvest is a necessity. It's our expertise. Producers who look to have a successful harvest turn to FS. Our grain systems experts reduce downtime by offering the latest products, innovations, and knowledge to your grain operation. Whether you need a part in a hurry or advice on your equipment, we'll keep you running. At FS, we're always looking for ways to optimize your grain system and ensure during harvest your operation is ready for what's next. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, joining us now is Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, uh, I know you're on the road again. Where are you today? <laughs> uh, I'm, in, I'm in Napa, Idaho, just outside of Boise. So, and it is uh, 39 degrees when I woke up this morning. Ooh. No snow, though. Everyone knows there's snow. Uh, it's cloudy, um, but it's supposed to be sunny and up mid-50s today, so it should be a nice day out here. So. Uh-huh. Well, so that's uh, what's coming our direction. <laughs> I guess good. Well, we're getting ready for the cooler temperatures. So yeah, so yeah, um, we're kind exactly. of also bracing for some more rain here in the Midwest, perhaps this week. Uh, let's talk about the the report yesterday. Actually, uh, for a change, a, a bullish report from USDA. <laughs> were you surprised? Um, I think I was a little surprised. I, I don't, you know, usually this report. I mean, there's a lot of numbers coming out of it. And it takes us all a while to get through them. Um, but you know, it's not usually one of those reports that you get a twenty, you know, twenty cent move up in beans and you know a dime or more in corn. Um, but I think it's it's kind of I hate to say it, I, I don't want to uh, bust people's bubble, but it kind of continues the theme of where USDA is at one co- in one corner and everybody else is another corner. And, and you look at grains, you look at corn stocks and bean stocks. That's exactly what happened. You know, the USDA had a lot lower stocks of corn and beans, and everybody else was had a lot higher. And so the market reacts accordingly because, again, it's about expectations, and the market's expectations were much different than USDA's. So I think that's that was a surprise for me as to how, again, how far apart USDA and, you know, private analysts and, and you know, just, you know, us, us lay people out here trying to figure out what's going on in, the, in these markets. But it did it did get a move up on us. And, you know, obviously we like these kind of reports better than the other kind, but yet it it, <laughs> right. it shows the frustration with 
the, the these wild swings and, and where does USDA come up with these uh, yep. uh, numbers? It brings all that back yep. into question again, even when it's a bullish report. Yeah, absolutely. And and I and you know, and I've always been very careful, and and I and it's not because of you know friendships at USDA or or anything like that, but I I always. I'm careful not to criticize USDA. I mean, I think it, it is what it is. and But I also, you know, I worry, and I'm, I'm kind of going to the place of I'm sort of concerned and worried all at the same time when we see these big divergences between what private analysts are seeing or doing and what USDA comes out. And, and this, this goes back, gosh, I guess I'm dating myself, you know, back way back into you know, the 1980s when, when we saw, you know, started to see lots of budget cuts in across all of government, not just USDA. And, you know, there's a lot of upheaval at ERS right now. And you have to wonder, is that taking a toll on the, I won't say the abilities, but, you know, taking a toll on what USDA can and can't do and the ability to get everything done that they need to get done on a timely basis and an accurate basis. And and, and so that, that concerns me. Um, but it, it is what it is, and we have to deal with it. And I, but I have to, I have to, you know, finish that by saying, when I look at my colleagues around the world, you know, they all drool over the ability of what we have in the United States to get, you know, the data that we do get. Because a lot of places, most places in the world don't have the, the depth or the wealth of data we have from USDA. Mm-hmm. Well, is this our is this our harvest rally now? How should farmers <laughs> react to this uh, to this uh, upswing and uptick in the markets? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really good question, and, and, I, and it's a really hard question because that's, that's sort of, you know, my reaction looking at it yesterday and then kind of looking at it this morning when I got up and thinking, okay, so what, what is this, you know, we've kind of looked at what the report was or what the reaction was, so what do we do with it? And I think that's, that's always the really difficult, more difficult question. So let's kind of dig into it. I think with soybeans, <clears throat> I think you look at the uptick, on, the uptick on soybeans and the potential for more up upside is probably limited. And so I think if you're a soybean producer and have <clears throat> soybeans to move, um, you know, my, my coaching, um, you know, advice would be, I think you have to really seriously think about putting some, getting some sales made, particularly if you've made no sales prior to today. So I think on soybeans, you have to be, be ready to pull that trigger. So, and also watch your basis levels. I mean, that's where they're and We'll come back to that. Corn is a much more difficult situation, and, and I'm, I'm going to get a little technical because it's, it's really become now a technical thing. If you look at the, C, the December corn chart, you've got a gap that we're sitting in the middle of right now that we put into place back in kind of early August, right after the, after the August reports. And we're in the process right now of filling that gap. And so if we fill that gap and go on through it and go up through it, um, I do think there is some upside here back above $4. And I think once you get above that $4 to four, you know that 4 420 area, which it looks like it's going that direction and I'll and I'll come back to why that. I think that's where you have to start moving getting some sales put on again if you haven't if you've got sales to be made. Um, the other last technical thing, if you look at the December chart, it looks like an inverted head and shoulders. And so that's why I'm saying looks like if we can get through this gap, and so that's the real key, if we fail to get through that gap today um, or the next day or two, then I think you need to put some sales on. If you if we get through the gap, fill the gap, and move higher, which the head and shoulders would, would indicate, then you've got some opportunity up to maybe 420, and you probably should start to get sales done above $4. And I, and I, I want to make point is that if you've got a four in front of the futures, in the front of that futures contract, those are opportunities to make sales because you may not get them again. And as we've seen all summer long, it's been a real roller coaster on corn. Talk about the basis, Steve. Yeah, that's been an interesting yeah. story, mm-hmm. and, and many and yep. many point out rightfully so. That that's really what the you know what matters out there on the ground, right, and throughout the country. That that basis that you're dealing with. That's right, and I'm glad you brought that back up and remind me yeah absolutely beans you know again beans has been pretty much tough because it's just we have so much supply and of course we all know about the export business corn is where the interest has been and if you are around ethanol plants or livestock 
producer, you know, heavy concentrated livestock areas, whether it's cattle or whether it's hogs or even or even poultry for that matter, um, and big processors, that's where your opportunity is because they have to have it day in and day out. They can't turn it off. And so, you know, they have been particularly ethanol plants have been have been popping those basis numbers um, to make sure they get supply. And I think they're in a period now, you know, where they're kind of in between, and I'm going to say this, kind of that old crop to new crop transition. And, you know, a lot of folks have started to, you know, lock corn away and put it away. And so they're going to have to, tuck, you know, they're going to have to move that basis up to get people to move it out of the country. So watch your basis right close. That's where the opportunity is going to be. It may not be in, in futures, you know, you know, we're talking here right now, maybe a twenty to thirty cent move up in futures, but you may easily have that in in um, in basis going forward. And I think you have to be very very careful because that's where the money is going to be long term. Um, I think your question implies very well that that's where the opportunity is. That's what's important in the country. You've got to watch. That's where you can make decisions quickly and do it and 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 get on top of it and make sure your merchandiser knows who you are and that you've got corn or beans or, or wheat even to sell, um, and you, you're willing to move, move some quantity if they need it. And finally, Steve, we're already seeing more weather challenges, uh, continuing yeah. the theme of 2019, but uh, <laughs> here trying to get already a late harvest and already some weather concerns, not just looking at temperature, we're looking at the rainfall amounts and things like that, really slowing some things down. How will that impact uh, markets, you think, as we go along here through this harvest yeah. season? No, absolutely. It's, you, you're just, your question just exhausts me. I, I know producers are just physically and mentally exhausted from 2000. We're really going all the way back to 2018 harvest. That will be positive for bases in particular. Uh, if, if crops aren't coming out of field in a particular locale, um, and there's not supplies coming, you know, coming to town, so to speak. You know, they're going to pop the bases to try to get get people to take it out of the, you know, get it out of the bins, get it out of the fields now. Um, and you and you know that merchandisers will start to call and say, I need, you know, do you have, you know, do you have hundred thousand bushels you can move to me today? I need I need it now. So that will be positive for bases. It will probably be positive for for futures to a certain extent, um, but. Probably not as much as it will be for the bases. Again, goes back to our previous question. That's where the opportunity is, where you can lock in some money um, and lock in some profitable margins. And I think that's probably a good place just to remind people: this is a margin game. Locking in margin, profitable margins, not hitting the high in the marketplace. Not many of us hit grand slams. Yeah, be ready to take advantage of the opportunities as you remind us of uh, uh, quite often. So uh, the, looks yes. like there are going to be a few, there are going to be some of those coming up, and perhaps Absolutely. one right now, as you point out too. Yeah, Steve, thanks a yep. lot. Have uh, have safe travels. We'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you, Mike. Take care, Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo Agrifinance. All right, biofuels industry continues to wait. What will the uh, White House announce on a biofuels policy? Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, joins us next to talk about it here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. The maturity of both corn and soybeans continue to lag behind the previous year, according to the USDA's latest crop conditions report issued Monday. 
Only 43% of U.S. corn is considered mature versus the five-year average of 73%. Meanwhile, only 55% of soybeans have dropped leaves, a sign of maturity versus the average of 76%. As a result, both harvests are behind, with only 11% of corn harvested and 7% of soybeans, versus averages of 19% and 20% respectively. However, the grain market appears to be more focused on the lack of change to crop conditions, with corn unmoved at 57% good to excellent condition and soybeans up 1 point to 55% good to excellent. The livestock sector seems to have early month jitters with triple-digit losses seen in hog trade an hour into the trading day. Sharp losses in feeder cattle trade Monday quickly focused on aggressive move higher in corn trade following Monday's USDA report. There also continues to be increased hope that trade talks expect to take place next week. That will bring about positive results, with some hoping that a trade deal will be reached. On the Board of Trade, December live cattle down 37 at 109.92. November feeders down 80 at 141.12. December lean hogs $2.12 lower at 70.50. For the grain and oil seed sector, December corn a penny and three quarters of a cent higher at 3.89 and three quarters of a cent. November soybeans up two and three quarters at 9.08 and three quarters of a cent. December Minneapolis spring wheat down six at 5.38 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat December down five at 4.10. Chicago wheat December down five at 4.90 and three quarters of a cent. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 161 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And joining us now is the president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, Jeff Cooper. Jeff, I thought by now we'd be talking about the the White House announcement on uh, biofuels policy, but we're still waiting. Have you heard anything? Well, I thought we'd be talking about that as well, Mike, and, and thanks for having me. Uh, we haven't heard much, I will say that. It's, it's been more than a month now. It's been uh, 33 days, to be exact, since President Trump came out and, and announced that, that he was preparing a, a, a big package, a biofuel relief package, uh, to offset the impact of all the small refiner exemptions that his EPA has been handing out. Uh, and here we are a month later, haven't heard much. Uh, we, we do hear that, that talks continue uh, between the White House and, and EPA and, and probably involving uh, USDA and DOE as well. Uh, but in terms of, of timing and when we should expect to see something, uh, we're not getting much information. I, and, uh, you know, honestly, I think everything has sort of been moved to the back burner uh, because of the impeachment news and, and the, you know, the, the Ukraine issue. Um, so we're, we're hoping that our issue, uh, this biofuel relief package, doesn't fall off the table. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you see the impeachment proceedings impacting uh, this issue, the biofuels industry, and you think it is impacting it? Well, you know, I think everything has uh, sort of been moved to the side um, as the the president and his staff uh, deals with with that issue. Uh, Like I said, though, we do hear that, uh, uh, that there are talks continuing uh, on this package, uh, we hear that uh, the president is insistent that something get done fairly soon. 
um, and wants to get it resolved. But but again, you know, you've got this other issue kind of um, sucking all the oxygen out of the room, uh, not just on on our biofuel package issue, but but on a on a host of other uh, issues uh, that are important to to farmers and and to our industry. It sounded like. They were pretty close to something. Senator Grassley said what he saw coming out of a meeting at the White House, he, he liked. And then, obviously, sure. there were more meetings with the oil industry's uh, uh, people, and then everything kind of came to abrupt halt. And it, it, so, obviously, they didn't like it, and they got the attention of the, the administration. Do you have any idea what was in that uh, package? Uh, did you get any advance on that? Well, you know, we we, we were, uh, I think, very optimistic uh, following the the meeting that uh, the president had with, uh, you know, a handful of farm state senators. Uh, we understand that uh, those senators went in and, 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 of course, did a phenomenal job of, of communicating to the president uh, what our industry is really asking for and, and what we need to keep from uh, shutting more plants down. And that's really pretty simple. It's It's we need... Uh, prospective reallocation. If you're going to exempt uh, small refiners from complying with the RFS, you have to take the volume they would have been required to blend and give it to somebody else, require some other refiners to make that up. Uh, that was the message to the president. It seemed to be uh, uh, well-received and, and understood, so we were hopeful uh, that that uh, prospective reallocation was going to be included in this in this package. Um, we know, however, that the, the oil guys, or many of them, uh, don't like that idea, uh, especially the larger refiners who would be on the hook uh, to carry the water for the small refiners who were bailed out from their uh, compliance obligations. So uh, that's the rub, and, and we know that uh, when the oil state senators and, and refiners have met with the White House and with the president himself, uh, they have expressed opposition to this uh, concept of, of reallocation. So. Uh, you know, we kind of, you know, the, the, the White House uh, remains uh, in between a rock and a hard spot on this one. Um, but I think, you know, again, if, 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 if the president truly wants to do something for the industry that is going to keep more ethanol plants from shutting down, keep more biodiesel plants from shutting down, that's got to be what it is. And it's got to be that reallocation. Uh, and, and, and frankly, uh, it's required by law, so we're not asking uh, the White House to do something new and novel for the industry. We're just asking uh, that the president require his EPA uh, to enforce the law that's on the books uh, with regard to the RFS. We're talking with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, do we kind of have a deadline, don't we? I mean, in November, we're to get the uh, the announcement uh, for the, the next year's levels on the uh, on the RFS, the RVO levels, is, is that kind of a deadline maybe to get the, this part of it? Because uh, wouldn't we need to know what they're going to do <laughs> with, the, with their policy before we get that announcement for that to have any real meaning? Well, that's that's the day that we have circled on our calendar with a, a bright red marker, uh, Mike, is, is November 30th. Uh, that is the, the statutory deadline by which EPA must publish the RFS requirements, the RVOs, for next year, 2020. Uh, we've said all along throughout this process uh, that if that 2020 final rule doesn't include some form of, of reallocation for these small refinery exemptions that we know EPA will grant retroactively, uh, that's going to be a huge problem, and it's going to uh, further erode demand uh, domestically. It's going to further pressure uh, margins and 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 just make a bad situation that much worse. So that absolutely is the the, the deadline that we're focused on. Uh, we think EPA has has time uh, to make the changes needed to that final rule to to include reallocation. Um, in fact, the Office of Management and Budget at the White House had recommended uh, that they do reallocation. They know exactly how to do it. Uh, so we're simply asking EPA to. Hey, listen to what uh, OMB told you to do. Uh, include that in the final rule, uh, and that will go a long way in, in helping to provide some immediate relief and, 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 and shore up uh, some of the very difficult conditions we're experiencing in the market today. Jeff, as we watch and wait for another round of talks uh, with China, and we see and hear about a, some purchases of soybeans, some pork, that would certainly help if we'd hear something about purchases of ethanol, wouldn't it? 
It, it absolutely would. I mean, that's that's really the two big issues we're we're struggling with, Mike. As you know, um, you know the the small refiner exemptions and what that's done to domestic demand, uh, and then internationally, it's it's all about China. Uh, you know, as as you know, China was our third leading export market for ethanol at one time. It was our top market for distillers' grains exports. Uh, today, we're not exporting any ethanol or distillers' grains to that marketplace because of tariffs they have on our product. Uh, we absolutely need to get back into the Chinese market, uh, and it could have an immediate impact on helping to restore some balance uh, to the supply-demand equation for, for ethanol and distillers' grains. Uh, that would be a, a huge shot in the arm at a time when, when our industry could really use one. Because we're seeing plants either closing or or cutting back, aren't we? Uh, it 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 has been going on for some time now, but it's going to continue, it would seem, until some of these things are resolved. Well, it's it's really accelerated uh, in the last you know month or so, Mike. We've seen uh, more plants uh, announce that they are are uh, reducing production or or idling entirely. Uh, last week's uh, weekly ethanol production numbers from the EIA showed the lowest amount of, uh, of ethanol produced in three and a half years. Um, you know, we were well under a million barrels a day, and, and that's incredibly rare anymore. Uh, the ethanol industry is typically always above a, a million barrels a day in, in production. Uh, we were down around 950,000 last week. Like I said, that was the lowest in 177 weeks. Uh, and we expect that to continue until there is some signal, some sign uh, that things are going to improve in our marketplace. And, and that's why we're so anxious and eager to, to see something out of the White House and, and get, this, uh, get this problem resolved and get it behind us. Meanwhile, what do your numbers show about this first summer of having E15 across the country available? Well, you know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of really good data on, on E15, but where we do have some, some solid, reliable data, uh, it does show that, uh, as we expected, uh, you know, E15 sales continued in June, just as they, they did in May, and that was really the first time we've seen that. Uh, typically, you get to June 1, and E15 sales fall like a rock uh, we didn't see that this year because we finally had RVP parity and, and the legal ability uh, to sell E15 year-round in conventional gasoline markets. Uh, so, you know, where we do have data, like from the state of Minnesota, uh, we, we see that E15 sales uh, continued strong uh, into June and, and July, uh, but not as strong as they would have been or could have been uh, had we had uh, stronger rent values. And, of course, that's a function of EPA enforcing the RVOs uh, that Congress gave them. So, um, you know, I think we'd see greater growth, more accelerated growth in E15 uh, if the marketplace had some assurance that EPA was going to enforce uh, the 15 billion gallon uh, volume that appears in a statute. So it's all connected. Uh, We are seeing progress with E15, but uh, not as fast as we'd like to see. All right, Jeff, uh, we'll continue to wait then uh, for that announcement from the White House. Uh, hey, meanwhile, how do you feel about our Cardinals going into postseason? Hey, it, it, at least we have that, that uh, good news, <laughs> don't we, Mike? Yeah. I was a little worried that they were going to blow it and, and be in the wild card game, uh, but they, they pulled it out uh, with a little help from our friends out there in Colorado. Yeah, I was concerned, too, but it turned out well. Central Division champs, all right. Okay, Jeff, we'll stay in touch, and we'll wait uh, for uh, hopefully some good news from the White House and and some good news uh, on the ball diamond as well. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. That's Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. The biofuels industry continues to wait for announcement of some uh, word on a biofuels package that's uh, been promised for a month now uh, from President Trump. We'll wait to, to get that information hopefully soon. Well, whether we're ready or not, soon it'll be wintertime. Here we are now in the month of October, getting your equipment ready, taking precautions with fuel, your diesel fuel. That, that goes a long ways towards your engine's performance. We're going to talk about that next. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credenced soybean grower. 
Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Ask your local BASF seed advisor about Credence soybeans. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Recently, on Adams on Agriculture, in the state of Wisconsin, legislation has been proposed to stop the use of misleading labels on imitation milk and dairy products. And here to tell us about that is Tom Crave, president of the Dairy Business Association in Wisconsin and a farmer and cheesemaker in Wisconsin. Tom, thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us about the, this proposed legislation in Wisconsin. Well, it is being proposed that 
any product that is not truly milk or cheese be not be able to use the milk or cheese label. It's, we think it's very simple. Uh, words do matter. Milk is milk, cheese is cheese. And we're just trying to have transparency for the consumers to be able to make an informed decision when they are buying products. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. Well, we're finally into fall and what's been a super challenging year so far. We're going to take a moment here to look ahead to the challenges of winter. That'll be here before we know it. And we know that winter brings all kinds of problems and can cause problems uh, with uh, with your equipment and with your fuel, with traditional number two diesel. We're talking about how farmers can protect their equipment by switching to a winterized premium diesel. Joining us now is Chad Christensen, a Cenex premium diesel expert at CHS. Chad, thanks for joining us. Um, we know winter's not that far away, and those challenges are going to be there. Uh, how can fuel help farmers maintain their equipment? Well, today's diesel engines are, are complex and very have very tight tolerances. To keep your engine clean, it's important that your fuel provides a complete burn in the engine to eliminate costly downtime. What should they be looking for right now? It's busy. It's harvest season getting underway. What what should they be looking for, though, looking out ahead to this winter? Sure. It's, it's important to remember that as these temperatures drop, uh, paraffin wax in, inside the typical number two diesel can cause the fuel to gel up. And gel diesel can cause all sorts of problems and issues. You know, you got plugged fuel filters, you got engine stallings, and equipment damage. So those are the issues that the, they should be, uh, you know, looking for. They've probably uh, dealt with those kind of things in the past. What what steps can they be taking to prevent those problems? Yeah, to, I think this season to prevent some of those problems, I'd recommend using a winterized premium diesel fuel like Cenex Wintermaster. It's a blend of number one and number two premium diesel fuels along with our Winterate 4, and that's a CFI or a cold flow improver. And that helps prevent wax buildup against the filter walls, which improves operability at these low temperatures we're going to see. When should they start blending for a winterized fuel? Is it, is it too early now, or, or do they wait till it starts getting cold? When should they do that? Well, timing is everything w- with this winterized fuel coming up, and the key is to, to blend before the gelling occurs. Uh, so work with your Cenex dealer to understand your fuel's cloud point or the temperature you begin noticing wax crystals uh, forming cu- forming cloudiness in your diesel. Ideally, you'll blend your fuel uh, and additives about 15 degrees above that cloud point, but if the temperature drops much below minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit, use a straight number one premium diesel fuel for optimal protection. And once you start having problems, uh, then you're going to have to take other action, of course, so it's better to try to prevent then try to react once you already have a problem then, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So anything else that you would just, as far as tips or things to keep in mind that you would uh, suggest to farmers, hey, it's busy, it's harvest time, but uh, they need to be thinking ahead. What can they be doing? What should they be looking for? Yeah, I think if you've got any more questions going into this winter, uh, you can learn more about our Cenex Winter Master uh, when, when you blend your fuel, um, you can talk to a local Cenex dealer, and they'll be able to give you uh, tips on the best practices. All right. So it's uh, something to be thinking about now to be prepared for when winter gets here. That's Chad Christensen, a Cenex premium diesel expert at CHS. Chad, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, just a few other notes before we wrap it up today. Uh, Representatives of the National Pork Producers Council, the National Milk Producers Federation, and the National Corn Growers Association, along with Iowa State University, 
held a press conference today calling on USDA to move as quickly as possible to establish a foot and mouth disease vaccine bank. At that press conference, the groups uh, came together and uh, outlined the steps USDA has taken to establish the bank. And that was a part, big part of the Farm Bill, remember, the last Farm Bill getting that done. But called for uh, expedient use of mandatory funding included in the Farm Bill to purchase the vaccines required to effectively contain and eradicate foot and mouth disease if we had an outbreak here in the U.S. Currently, USDA, which has prescribed vaccination for dealing with foot and mouth disease, does not have access to enough vaccine to avoid devastating economic consequences to the U.S. economy should an outbreak occur. So these groups have come together to uh, bring the focus on this that uh, more action needs to be done. The Farm Bill established the vaccine bank, and now the next step has to be to make sure we have the vaccines available in case of an outbreak of foot and mouth disease, which hopefully we won't have, but you have to be prepared in case we do. All right, I mentioned at the outset, um, World Dairy Expo getting underway. be a busy week in Madison, Wisconsin. We're going to have a couple of reports from World Dairy Expo coming up on tomorrow's program along with more analysis and reaction to the uh, bullish USDA numbers out yesterday. And as we go into more talks with China, a lot of focus, of course, on soybeans and uh, some purchases that China has made of U.S. soybeans. What do we make of that? We'll be talking tomorrow as well with the CEO of the American Soybean Association. Also want to mention that later in the week, we are scheduled on Thursday to be talking with our um, chief negotiator, our chief ag negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, Ambassador Greg Dowd, scheduled to be with us on Thursday. We'll be able to get uh, his perspective on the new deal with Japan, and we'll learn more about these talks coming up with China and where we are with USMCA as well. So really looking forward to that. Also, want to make mention of this. This is something very happy about, always when we get the chance to welcome a new affiliate to Adams on Agriculture. Very happy to welcome WHOW in Clinton, Illinois, the big 1520. I'm excited to be back on uh, WHOW uh, with the great crew there, Randy and Jared and all the folks. So really happy to and excited to announce that uh, we have added another uh, station to our uh, growing list here uh, on AOA. Welcome WHOW in Clinton, Illinois. With that, we are going to wrap it up uh, for today. Another busy day coming up tomorrow and hope you will join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone.